Hey, everyone, and welcome to Name It Later, a podcast about doing with Swan and Pete. This is episode two, and uh, thank you to all of you, all of maybe two of you who listened to episode one so far. Um, so, Swan, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure, man. Let's get right into it. Um, I I want to talk first about my uh, my favorite way to prepare eggs. <laughs> so this is your create. This is yeah. This is this is my create, right? So um, it's it's been a week. Um, kind of as you know, I've been I've been laid up with with some headaches and, and nonsense this week, and not not been doing too much. Um, but this was an easy one uh, for me to kind of get into, and I, I actually made these earlier tonight for for me and the the kiddo, um, which is uh, basically um, a uh, a quesadilla but with eggs in it, right? Hmm. So I found this recipe a, a long time ago. Um, I mean. It, a few years at least on a on a site uh, 101cookbooks.com um and um she was doing this this thing she called under style where you you basically you you throw your eggs in the pan and then just throw a tortilla on top of it hmm. right so it's like a it's like a fried egg um if you want you can crack them directly in the pan and kind of have the yolks together uh, or you can you can beat them and, and turn it into more like a scrambled egg thing right works works well either way uh, but little little oil or or butter or you know lard if you're feeling adventurous I get whatever kind of fat you want in the pan and uh, throw an egg down on it and then throw the tortilla right on top of it um, as much cheese as you want in between the two um, and then right my so my my five year old loves cheese so when I make his I I load it up right we just we're, we're getting him as as much dairy as he wants um, fold the thing in half you know and we're flip it over and yeah. Um, so I think maybe, um, maybe twice a year now, since I found this recipe, I cook eggs in another way, right? So my, my wife still likes over easy. Um, so I'll make them for her that way. But for me, I, I throw the tortilla on it every time. Really? Every single time? Every single time. Cause I think you and I agree that like eggs are the perfect food. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, maybe that's not a unique opinion, but I mean, right. like, they're, they're always good. They're always good. And I do them for dinner a lot. Like that's my standard bachelor meal. Like when my wife's at a meeting or something, like Absolutely. I go straight to the eggs. Yep. Yep. Easy, quick, uh, pretty good for you, especially now that they've decided the, the cholesterol isn't an issue in them, right? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. At least that's where, we, that's where we're at right now. We'll, we'll see when they flip-flop back, but yeah. I do like, uh, I mean, it sounds a little bit like huevos rancheros, which is my wife's like favorite breakfast diner meal. Like the crappier, like the, you know, most, most cooks, you know, most, most of the cooking staff and a lot of these greasy spoons in the Midwest are Hispanic generally. And so, you know, like they maybe know how to make a good huevos rancheros, but like, there's just something about like a Midwest shitty diner huevos meal where it sounds a lot like this you just like throw some salsa on this and you got huevos absolutely absolutely so it's funny you mentioned that too because the i'll i'll often do it without cheese at all i'll just do the egg and the the tortilla um really see that doesn't sound as appealing to me yeah so um i buy really good quality eggs right um it's one of the few things that I've I've always spent more money on, even when I was super super broke, right? Um, I can I can afford fifty cents per egg to like have a truly delicious egg that's not gonna like wreck up my guts or any of the other problems that that you have with with crappy eggs, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I really like the flavor of the eggs that I buy, um, and I buy really good tortillas. So, so I, I like the way I, I like the way they they taste together, and I keep it really plain. And it does it binds just fine without egg, right? It sticks together just fine. But what I what I'll almost always put in it is uh, tapatio, little little hot sauce. Right? Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds incredible. Actually, I haven't had dinner yet, so that sounds like. Amazing. Eggs are, I'll eggs probably are now in the works. It. Yeah. Right now. Egg, eggs are happening. Cool. You want to hear my create? Yeah, let's hear it. I, in uh, in channeling my desire to be a like Nantucket whaler, I scrimshod this week. Amazing. Which I'm really excited to do. Like this is a really like technical project that I'm like, I just had it waiting in the wings, which I love. And I mean, of course I did. You know me. Like, of course I had some weird thing in the wings but i bought a kit maybe two like, or three like, months ago like an official from, scrim shawing kit uh, yes absolutely so i got okay, this from excellent. bespoke uh, yeah from bespokepost.com sure. um on a whim i i just picked it up and it's a it's a nice pocket knife it's actually like a decent pocket knife it's got one of those little um like a little notch cut out of the tip of it so you could open it with one hand like you're meant to take it like on your pant loop and like pull oh, it sure. open and then it's got a bone handle. And so they come with, it comes with a, uh, a bunch of stencils, uh, some transfer paper, the little sort of, it's like a, essentially like a nail with a wooden handle that you use to scratch into the bone sure. um, and, and steel wool. And then the ink that you, you put into there. Um, it was way harder than I thought it was going to be. It's like, I've done a fair amount of woodworking and wood carving and wood as a medium is super forgiving. And it is generally relatively easy to work with you know you carve something into wood and you you take a gouge out this is like i was sitting there and i'm thinking oh my god of course this is the hobby that you do when you're like oh shit the the ship is full of whale oil and we have to go home and it's going to take us nine months like right. i get it I yeah because it, it took for fucking ever so <laughs> great you have to make like a really light scratch and then you have to go over it and you have to go over it again and then you have to do it 40 more times. Right. And like, I thought I had done a decent job. I made an anchor. I'll put a picture up when we, when yeah, we put excellent. the episode up. A- anchor with a rope. And then did it once with the ink. Ink didn't take it all. Like I, it was not even remotely deep enough. Not even enough. thinking about getting in there. Sure. Not even <laughs> yeah. at all. So then I had to do the whole thing again. And by that time, like my hand was cramping and was like, oh my God, like I can't. It is. <laughs> it was, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. Like that's the thing. I did one side of it. And I'm looking at the other side. I'm like, that looks really nice. It's just a plain polished yeah. bone handle. Maybe I don't want to do it anymore. Right. I don't know. But I loved like the the sailor. <laughs> I love being able to say I scrimshot. Does that make me a scrimshander? I think that's the I am the not name. sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go out of my way to find out though, right? <laughs> I guess part of me, and maybe this is sick, but a part of me is like, well, it's not ivory. Like, <laughs> <laughs> did I really scrimshot? Like, I carved up some bone. No, it looks cool. Okay, like it looks cool when when my wife saw it. She's like, "You actually did that?" And I said, "Yeah, yes, I actually did." That. <laughs> Still Which doesn't quite on. believe you, right? No, yeah, it doesn't quite believe me. But no, it's cool. It's a little anchor. I, I recommend it as far as a project. Um, it's, I, I've done the bespoke boast boxes. A couple of them, they do these curated boxes, and I, I like what they have to do. It's definitely an unnecessary expense, but I like it. Right. Yeah, what'd you consume this week? Uh, got a whole bunch of terrible television. 
right? So, <laughs> so uh, See, like, I, <laughs> I was saying to I was saying to somebody we were doing this podcast, and they immediately went to the idea that like the consume and create should be connected, and so they said. Yeah, like I consumed a bunch of bad shrimp and I created a lot of human waste. Like- <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so what did you consume? Yeah, so, um, so like I said, I was, I've been laid up and kind of sick this week, right? So I really did a, a lot of lazing about and um, kind of being a bum and, you know, spent a few half days at work and then kind of came home and crawled into into bed and just zoned out on the TV. Um but I found some some dumb humor action movies. There, there's two of them that had somehow escaped me, um, and that's the Kingsman series. So there's two of them out so far. And I gotta tell you, the the first movie in particular just surprised the hell out of me. I, I wasn't expecting it to to be as fun or as enjoyable as it was. So it's like um, it's like Austin Powers meets John Wick, right? With the humor and violence mashup, but then there's still like the dapper overlay of the James Bond flicks, right? <laughs> Cause... So I, when I saw the previews for those, and I haven't seen either one, so this is great. Mm-hmm. So I I thought they were not funny. Like I, I didn't think they were supposed yes. to be funny. Right. But um, they are? Yeah. Oh, yeah, just over over the top. Everything's over the top and, and uh, kind of characters of, of themselves, right? So it's really like classic Bond villain style villains, right? It's just these over the top mm-hmm. schemes that aren't realistic at all. Um, and then the the violence level in these films is is truly unbelievable, right? <laughs> um, it really, they, they kind of... There must be 900 corpses on screen in that first film. It's just like, <laughs> it's just absolutely over the top. Um, so it, it checked off a lot of boxes uh, for my personal taste in media. And like I said, it was a total surprise um, because what you you mentioned um, just now, it was the same thing for me. I didn't, until I, until I caught glimpses of the trailer for the second movie, I, some part of my brain associated Kingsman with like, the king's speech right so i had like in my brain i i just zoomed right past it you know when i'm scrolling through looking for something to watch because i think all right this is some period drama film that i'm not interested in that's just could not be further from what the movie actually was so i don't know if you watched them both yeah i I did i did watch both of them um so second one was was super fun as well and uh, amazing cast in the second one um but uh didn't didn't hit quite as well as the first one for me See, I, I thought I would like the second one more because it has like the now we're in America element to it. And like, they're going to have lassos. Like, I remember there's a lasso. Is there's a lasso? Am I right? in thinking there's a lasso. Yeah. Yes, there. Yeah, there is. Um, is it wielded by Channing Tatum? Is that is that the guy who's, no, who's in it? No, he, he it's not him. It's uh, Pedro. Oh, boy. What's his last name? He's uh he's in Game of Thrones and Narcos and and all kinds of other stuff. I can't remember the actor's name right now, but it. <laughs> all right. But yeah, there, there no, is. No, I, I, I'll have to check him out because I think otherwise they would check like a lot of boxes for me, but I just haven't gotten around to seeing him. Yeah, yeah, uh, surprised me, and and I definitely I definitely be comfortable recommending him at this point. At least for you know they're they're fun. They're not isn't. There's nothing amazing happening here, right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna call anybody and say this is the best film I've ever seen. But I had a, I had a lot of fun watching both of them. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Okay, so my my consume, uh, as probably a bunch of my consumes will will be, is is a book. Uh, so I, I polished off a book a couple weeks ago, actually. So I'm I'm digging it back up because it really stuck with me. And that is good strategy, bad strategy. 
by Richard Rummelt, R-U-M-E-L-T. So this is a classic business strategy book. And I bought a stack of them. I bought 10 based on recommendation in an article I read uh, a few months ago. And I've been digesting them. And, I, you know, I, my big disclaimer in a, is that they're, they're all terrible. Like <laughs> these like business books are by and large just awful. Oh, yes. I think most of them are, are written by people who um, have survivor's guilt. Yep. You know, they did well. They made a, a couple of lucky choices, some right decisions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they beat the house. It's like somebody writing a book about slot machines. And like, this is how you win at a slot machine. And it's, I think most of them are garbage. Uh, yeah. So I read Run and it, what run of my stacks and it was, and it was terrible. I pick up this one as my second one. And really his sentiment is, yeah, most strategy and books about strategy are terrible. And I said, okay, like I'll read, I'll read your book. And so I, I want to share a couple of things that I, I thought were, were particularly good takeaways. First of all, he said, most strategy is terrible that it really is just a series, like a list of goals, you know? Yeah. So when you do, when you're working on something, it just says like, we want to do X, Y, and Z, and they're not really grounded in anything. And it's not really a strategy. It's aspirational. So he, he says, good strategy is simple. And it's almost always just about resource allocation. Because if you don't, if you don't have a limitation on your resources, you have no need for strategy, Right. This is like, this is what pissed me off about like, uh, what was in the headlines that Kylie Jenner, one of the, one of the Kardashian girls is a billionaire now. Or uh, almost, right? And that's the, almost. that's the headline. No, no, it gets, it gets funnier. Did you not see this? She's like no, no. really close to being a billionaire. So there's a GoFundMe. I can't, you can't. <laughs> so get her over the uh, right so there's there's a bunch of poor folks who don't have money are now giving her money to push her over that that billion so she can be the the youngest self-made billionaire see but okay Where self-made I, in that is, is nonsense term. Right? self-made is a nonsense term. It, it's a stupid metric for success especially for in a lot this case where it's objectively inaccurate false. <laughs> right <laughs> right no, okay, so this is this is just fascinating. So there's a GoFundMe. Okay. I I have I will show my colors as something of a, a sympathetic monarchist. Like I read enough history to be like, listen, like it wasn't all bad under kings and queens and emperors. It's like this is this is the peasantry who like their their sort of bread and circuses from the Jenner family, like giving their tithe to the king so like they can keep jousting. Right. This is nonsense. Okay, anyway. So, so it's mostly about resource allocation, right? So you don't, if you need, if you don't need any money, then you don't have to make any strategic decisions. You can do whatever you want. One of my favorite quotes is really simple. It was just being ambitious isn't a strategy. And I love that because I think a lot of these companies, it's just like, it's, you can't just say, we're going to go be number one and, and and that's what we're going to be. So I, yeah, (laughs) hustle. You got to make the hustle. Whole another story. Okay, so the last the last takeaway is he basically says any good strategy starts with a diagnosis of an actual challenge that you have to have a challenge that you're facing. It can't just be to sort of improve your position. It has to be a diagnosis of a challenge that is a reaction to change or competition in the market. So, so yes, um, is there a a targeted organization size for this? 
I think he says it's anybody. Like I, I think he says, you know, it's a not, it's a small nonprofit, it's a large corporation. So I think he, you know, go ahead. Slight, slight tangent here, because um, the the one business book I've read in the last decade that hasn't been absolute garbage um, when you get right down to it is Rework um, from the Thirty Seven Signals guys. Right now, now I guess officially Basecamp. So uh, Jason Fried and David Heinemeier Hansen um, wrote that book, and it, it's. Their their entire thing is now you you don't need to like you can just improve yourself and just go for profit because who cares about like right just be profitable and self sustaining and you don't need to take outside money and you you're creating all these problems for yourselves. Um, yeah, I I think that's I I, I like mission statements. Well, okay, but he goes on about this whole tirade about mission statements, how they're awful most of the time, and that it's really just a result of jfk's mission to go to the moon and then you see that sort of mission statement make its way into business as this aspirational but ultimately like nonsensical thing so we choose to go to the moon not because it's easy (laughs) but because it's hard like that's it's good politics it is a great tagline what did we even bring back right Uh, you know no moon oil there was no yeah well we got space force around the corner right space force uh so he says diagnose a challenge uh, then you need to create a guiding policy that leverages your whatever sort of strategic edge you might have uh, in order to react to that change in competition, to react to that challenge, and then create coherent action that comes out of that, which mostly, he says, has to do with resource allocation. Basically, he says, like, if you don't have a leverage point, no strategy is going to help you. And if you aren't willing to allocate resources strategically and say no to some stuff, you're not going to be successful. And I just, I found his book so plain and tangible and applicable. And I've read two or three more now after this in my stack, and none of them has been as good as this Interesting. one. Interesting. So falling under the recommendation? Yeah, like it's Label. on my desk at work and I've like have it flagged and I go back to things that I've underlined, which I like never do, never did in college or grad school. Like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, right. I'm actually referring back to it. So it's uh, I, I would say just by my habits, it's a it's a strong recommend. Interesting. OK, but I have a game, too, to play as a result of okay. this. So I was looking up uh, mission statements to find bad examples of them. And I want to read you a mission statement and you try to guess what. Oh, no. It's from. All right. Okay. So these, I got three of them. And then I found one that's actually decent. So these are well known, uh, very consumer facing right. right. companies. Lay them, lay them on number me. one. Number one to refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit, to inspire the moments of optimism and happiness through our brands and actions, to create value. And make a difference. Ooh, okay. Um, to refresh yeah, the world. Yeah, so I don't know if it's Coke or Pepsi, right? But it's got... Or, oh, oh, hang on. on. It could be Coca-Cola. It it's totally Coca-Cola. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Spot like on. Anheuser-Busch was my, was my next thought, right? Kind of after I got deeper. But it's, but it's Coke. It's okay. Coke. And it, <laughs> nice. it, I, just, I love it because it is so <laughs> ridiculously aspirational and nonsensical at the same yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, and where's the part about rotting folks' teeth? That's good. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> so as as I sit here with a with a an empty bottle of Dasani, which I think is a Coke product. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is. No, no, for sure. Okay, number two, our mission 
is to enable people and businesses throughout the world to realize their full potential. We consider our mission statement a commitment to our customers. We deliver that commitment by striving to create technology that is accessible to everyone of all ages and abilities. Uh, is that is that Microsoft? Hey, you nailed so, it, man. All right. So, I mean, that one, I'm, I'm cheating here, right? Because I'm a, a, I'm a software oh, engineer yeah. that works primarily in the Microsoft stack. So I think I've probably poked fun at this mission statement in particular in the past. <laughs> It is five lines long on my on my Word document here. It is absolutely yikes. ridiculous. Yikes, it's bad. Okay, it's, la- bad. it's really bad. Okay, the last one. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. So, uh, um, Starbucks. Yeah, man, you're three for three. So- <laughs> like that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, okay. Okay, but I fell down this rabbit hole recently when I started. Compl- really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, recently. I mean, it's been it's been two or three years probably since I started looking at some of this stuff. But um, the company I work for chose like a, an exceptionally bad tagline from some marketing company that they paid too much money for, and it didn't last. Right? Like six months later, the the executive team was finally like, "Yeah, this is trash. We got to get rid of it." And then we moved to another equally bad one, and now finally we've we've gotten rid of of that stuff. So we'll see. Hopefully there's not something else bad down the pipeline, but I was frustrated in trying to find examples that were also bad where I could be like, Hey, um, C level suite, <laughs> like look at this and how dumb it sounds and compare that to like what we've got going on right now. So I found a bunch of these bad ones. I also, um, I re-stumbled on what I think is the greatest tagline, right? Not a mission statement, but tagline of all time in the corporate world. And I think we've probably discussed this before. Uh, I I don't know what you're talking about. So, so here's, here's the tagline when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. Oh yeah, FedEx, right? Yeah, this is the old right. FedEx. And they got and they rid of it. And now it's something dumb, right? But when they have that as their tagline, way like amazing. Talk about like getting to the core of your business and what you do in like a short, concise sentence. Brilliant. I and, and I love it because I what gets me so frustrated working in the business world, and I'm not even sort of in your quintessential business industry, but like any any industry that's obsessed with strategy and planning spends so much time just not talking about what they actually need to do, but talking around it so that when they need to do something that is just like gross business aggression, they can feel good about it. And I just wish we were a little bit more like, I'm going to loan you money, (laughs) even when I don't think you can pay it back, because then I can bundle and sell your, I mean, like, I don't think mission statements need to be like the evil plan, but like they should tell you what they're going to do. And so my good one, my good one was from General Electric, which doesn't actually have a mission statement that I can find, but they do have just like a infographic and it's in the, it's in the form of an equation. And it says the, the values are, the first thing is what we, uh, we look at what the world needs. That's the first piece sure. times in parentheses, a better, a belief in a better way, plus a relentless drive to invent and build things that matter. So those two things added together times what the world needs equals a world that works better. And I like it. It's a little, uh, it's a little bullshitty. It's a little uh, inflated, 
but it's literally like what they do, and I respect them more for that than Coca Cola. It's, it, it's a it's a step closer, right? Than than the other jargon filled things we've we've kind of rattled off today, for sure. I think they're being more honest. You know, I, if like my ideal mission statement is like. I need to sell you more popsicles, like or whatever. It's fudgesicle, yeah, right? Like right. we will sell you more more fudgesicles. I I guess I get frustrated because there's no purpose of a mission statement. I really just don't feel it's necessary yeah, at so all. I, I think it's funny too. So I've I've been I'm I'm in consulting, right? So I I spend time with a lot of different clients, and one thing that seems to be kind of a universal truth that I've noticed in my role. These companies don't understand how their business works or what they really do, right? So like they may they may know that oh, we're a healthcare supply company. Like when you get right down to it, they don't understand beyond that. Like they may know what products they sell um and like roughly how some small part of the business works. Nobody in the entire place at any of these larger companies knows how the business runs end to end. And not not even in an approximation, right? It, there's just huge blind spots across the entire organization. I, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, I think it use you as some of the places that I've worked and as you, you see this in, in a lot of other people's experiences, you know, and siloed is over... Uh, overused. I prefer instead of the term siloed, I prefer the term lazy because uh, right. I think that it, it's not hard. It's, I really don't think it's that hard to be collaborative in a reasonable size business. If you're talking like a Walgreens or a UPS or something that's like incredibly large, I get it if processes get siloed because they just become too big. But like at any reasonable sized organization, there is no reason your like one marketing person can't talk to your one, I don't know, advocacy person. Right. Like, right. I mean, it's just to me and, and you know, I thankfully have had, I've worked on some really good teams with, that don't let these things happen. But like at the same time, it to me just seems like a very fixable problem. Yeah. Yep. Um, luckily... I've never been in a position so powerful that it lies on me to fix that problem. So, yeah. <laughs> I could just I could just be there with my band-aids, right? I've always served these like weird roles that are wedged in between other roles and departments. Yeah. I think in the last three positions I've had, I've reported to two departments at the same time, which I kind of like. It keeps, you know, <laughs> keeps me right. out of the limelight. But the whole point is you get to see two departments working at odds and neither one of them gives any real daily adherence to a mission statement. Yep. Yep. None. Yeah. We, ha- we you, anyway. see, you see these surveys going out that do you see our values reflected in the company? I'm like, what, what values like strive for work-life balance? No, I was here 60 hours this week. I don't see it. Like, what do you, <laughs> right. There's always well, and, that. And this is what gets. Yeah. It, what gets me too is I'm, I'm reading a, a great book. It'll probably pop up as one of my consumes when I finish, but it's a it's called The Silk Roads. It's a it's a, just a revisioning of the a lens to look at the history of the world through the commerce that flowed through the God, Middle who East. Basically, wrote that? Do I have a copy of that sitting on my shelf right now? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Okay. But we'll loop back. It's great. It's absolutely great. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at these corporations. I just made it through. I'm now in World War One, but I went through the whole phase of basically 
the East India Trading Company and the the Dutch ah. Trading Company, and and my God, they're so good. It, it's such a it's a fascinating piece of history. So how how but, complete uh, is that piece of it? It's it's pretty good. I actually have another book um, that I'm working my way through slowly. That's specifically a history of the East oh, India. Oh, I've Trading been looking Company. for exactly that, and have been struggling oh to find God. anything good. So uh, you're going to have to to send me a link for that um, right after we're done. It's a little recording. dry so far. It's a little dry so far, but it's good. But but I think we're fascinated about it for the same reason. One, it became like this quasi-governmental entity that you know ruled over India and several other places. But essentially, they were just slave you know slave drivers right. and, and and drug dealers. But my whole point is, they were an immensely se- successful organization. As were things like uh, you know Carnegie Steel and the Ford Company sure. and and. You know, standard oil, any of these, like the Medici's for Christ's yeah, sake. And yeah. none of them, none of them had a mission statement or worried about sort of that branding. I, I just don't think Get as much money as think, possible. <laughs> yeah. And by any means necessary. Right. I, I just, I just finished a autobiography of, um, or no, a biography of Andrew Carnegie. And the guy starts, the author starts right away and he says like, Almost all of the things that Andrew Carnegie did to be successful are illegal today, like the way he created these shell corporations and stuff like that. But all that was like after he was 30, you know, zero to 30 are absolutely fascinating. I mean, they are just incredible, uh, an incredible testament to what this guy did. But after that, like when he went from a million to his later net worth was all basically just illegal. Of course. Same for the East India yeah. Company. Okay. Well, that was a good week. I hope you, f- you feel better. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to consume or create next week. I don't know how I'm going to beat uh, Scrimshine. Yeah. I'll figure uh, that's it out. It's capped. Uh, let's end it. We'll move on to the next idea uh, right here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I will see you next week, yep. my friend. Yep. Take it easy.